Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What vespered choir is this, bursting into earshot through the dark as I tread the churchyard path? Those voices, lifting and contained, soaring through stained glass glow. I pause to absorb a moment just for me. No crowd, no screen. And then a further glow hastens my step once more past the lich gate, down the cobbled hills, to the moon underwater. Robin, the rains have stopped at long, long last. The rains of evermore. Yeah, what did you make of the rain today? It was strange, wasn't it? It was strange, yeah. It was It was kind of it was, uh, going sideways. Is that what you mean? Well, it was more that it was never everywhere at once. <laughs> you know how, like, you can, you, no, you can speak to your mate in the next town and be like, oh, it's pissing it down here, and they're like, oh, we haven't had any. Yeah, It was yeah. like that, but it was people standing next to each other in the street... Oh, very localised rain clouds, yeah. And one of them had their umbrella up, and the other one said, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's very nice. You could make a sort of kind of twee cartoon about that, couldn't you? You, you could. Uh, yeah. But what's happened now that the heat has sort of returned to the streets is... Yeah. You know when you get sunlight on a sort of wet fence and the steam comes off? Yeah. Or like Freddie Mercury's head at Wembley in 86 <laughs> when the sweat... The classic analogy yeah but it's it's formed a cloud chamber oh really and i think the moon underwater or the realm has been listening to the same episode of in our time as i have because (laughs) cloud chambers were used to uh, do very early experiments on electrons because you can see electricity you can see electrons pass through the vapor is that what that kate bush song is about oh uh, almost 100 percent. what wuthering heights yeah wuthering heights yeah yeah that's about uh, so I think Heathcliff is the name given to early electrons. Yeah. Kathy's saying, Heathcliff, it's me, I'm Kathy, come home, because she's a positron. Right. And what they want to do is annihilate each other and create antimatter, as far as I'm aware. 
that is actually quite a good summary of Wuthering Heights, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it is. You can see these beautiful little trails where all the electrons are moving through the vapour outside. Moving, yeah. I'm, I'm sensing a glow, and if I remember the episode of In Our Time I listened to yesterday, that means that there's positively charged electrons at one end of the cloud chamber. I'm not 100% because I, I do find it quite hard to follow, but that can mean something very special. It can mean that someone someone that the correct realm has wanted to draw into its bounds for many a month and year told mm. has finally been able to cross between the realms. I think what it's saying, Robin, is perhaps one of the great pintmen of his age yeah. is at our doorstep. And time. if that beautiful moon-like face at the window is, is anything to go by, I, I believe that the realm's wish has been answered as we welcome into the moon underwater, Barry Glendenning. Good evening, gentlemen. Just pardon me while I shake off my umbrella, take off my coat and excuse the smell of, of wet dog or wet drunken Irishman <laughs> but it is a pleasure an absolute pleasure to be in the moon underwater as someone John who who has won many awards for podcasting as have I not that I like to talk about it I believe this is the podcast I was born to do <laughs> well how we would sort of describe it here is we would say this is the pub you were born to enter but I do get the impression Barry that you were born to enter every pub. Every time your name has ever come up in conversation, the word pub, I would say, <laughs> has been in the same sentence to the extent to which I'm not actually entirely sure what it is you do. <laughs> but what I do know is that you are so synonymous with the pub that when people talk about you, they will talk about pubs before your many accolades, your great experience, and also the actual job you do, which I believe is something to do with sport. It is something to do with sport, uh, John. Uh, I work for The Guardian. I've worked for The Guardian for over 20 years. I, uh, that's a life sentence. <laughs> I love working at The Guardian. But yeah, it is fair to say i my name is synonymous with pubs, and I think it's a bit unfair, actually, because the the implication being that I'm an alcoholic. I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I might be. I don't think I am. But you once described me on stage at the Comedy Store as, as one of the great pub men. Mm. And I think I am. I love, I love pubs. I love them. But I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I, I think I'm a great pisshead. I am a massive pisshead. Well, mm. there are fine lines and vague boundaries between some of the terminology uh, <laughs> here. But I think it's fair to say you enjoy the pub, not just for its alcohol, but for everything it has to offer. And may I just say, it is an absolute delight to finally have cigarette smoke here in the moon underwater <laughs> because like a true true pubman a true guardian of the pint not just pint of the guardian <laughs> you bring with you a packet of fags and a lighter and just the sight of it i can smell it 
And I am transported back to my first sort of seven or eight years of going to the pub. Now, I am aware that smoking in pubs was not a good thing. Smoking ain't a great thing. And pubs, for the majority of people, are a much better place for the lack of cigarette smoke. But there is something about it that just takes me to a place I'll probably never, never get to go again, which is a pub of people smoking fags, drinking their drinks. Well, the thing is, John, I, I don't necessarily agree that pubs are better for the smoking ban. And I was actually slightly worried about smoking while doing this podcast, because I know you are a, a former smoker. You're currently sucking on a, a, a smoking aid. And I was slightly concerned that if I just keep, I don't know, you remember that scene from Father Ted where Ted's given up smoking for Lent and someone blows out smoke in his face and it forms the word lovely fags. <laughs> I'm worried that might happen. And I don't want you to send, mm. I don't want to send you back on the cigarettes because I have a huge admiration for you for giving up. I can't do it. The fags have a, a hold on me and have had, since I was 13 years old, they will probably kill me. But um, I I do also have a smoking aid here, which I was going to use if you weren't happy with me smoking in your presence. No, you are welcome to smoke in the moon underwater. It is not only a tavern that has seen hundreds of years of cigarette pipe, cigar, smoke pass through its eaves and its beams and... And lick its walls, but it also has a state-of-the-art <laughs> extraction fan system. Yeah. You should go to Berlin, John. You can smoke in pubs there. Some pubs. But I don't smoke. It would be ridiculous. But I would smoke if I did go to Berlin, I think. Yeah, I tell you what I like um, is if you go to someone's house where they smoke inside. And just to... I do really like the smell. I mean, if if I wasn't in the moon underwater right now, this minute, with you, I would be at home in a a flat in Brixton, which anyone is welcome to smoke. And I seem to be in a minority. And occasionally I have visitors and they complain about me smoking in my own house, to, to which I say, fuck off, visitors. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange now when you smell cigarette smoke inside. Yeah, but I think that's what I mean. It's a nostalgic smell because mm. you don't smell it anymore. I think that's what I'm, you know, when I stayed with a friend who smoked inside, it was like literally like, it it felt like I was in the 80s. Mm. It's not a reason to smoke, nostalgia. Well, Barry, if, if we start, we're, we're not going to talk about your work for various sports outlets because it's just not, it's not, who, it's not why you're here. I can sum it up very quickly, John. I work for The Guardian. For, I've done for a long time. We have a pretty popular and successful podcast called Football Weekly. I occasionally uh, work with a close adherent of yours, uh, a nomic Welshman named Ellis James, <laughs> who I consider a good friend. I'm not sure the feeling is mutual. I think we get on okay. I've met you once or, or possibly twice we we spoke briefly. I wouldn't claim to know you at all, but I feel like I know you, John, because I listen to your many um, podcasts. Although I must confess, since being out invited on the moon underwater, I haven't listened to any of them since. 
because I didn't want to absorb other people's ideas by osmosis. Keep the powder dry. I've I've heard the Simon Price one, which I loved. I heard the Mike Bobbins one, which I loved. A couple of others, which I clearly didn't love as much because I can't remember <laughs> who they were. But I, I love the podcast. I think it's a brilliant concept. I love Ellis James. I feel like I know you, John. I think we could be good friends, but I don't think you're as into the idea of us being friends as as I am. Oh, give me half the chance. I am not spoilt for choice when it comes to friends, Barry. <laughs> well, I'm aware of that, yes. I'm in the same boat. And and I've heard, obviously, through you about Robin. Um, I don't really know what he does, but he seems <laughs> like a nice fella. Thanks. <laughs> just more of these, really. Just more. I do more of these. Yeah. So, Barry, you said that you first came under the grasp of the cigarettes about 13. Tell us about your upbringing in pub terms. Where did you come up and where did you first experience pubs? Well, I grew up in a very small provincial town in the middle of Ireland called Burr, B-I-R-R. And it's bang in the middle of Ireland. So if if you can imagine Ireland as a dark board, Burr is more or less the bullseye. And when people think, or when English people think of Ireland or British people think of Ireland, you know, a lot of the points of interest, the familiar names will be around the edge. Yeah. Dublin and the West Coast and that sort of thing. Is the middle a different sort of place entirely? Well, in Ireland, uh, people in Dublin, there's basically Dubliners and everyone else. And then you've Cork. And people from Cork think they're special and they think they're better than everyone else. But that's not really a subject I want to go into because it will just cause controversy, which could send your downloads escalating. Um, But you've basically, so you've Dublin on the East Coast, Galway on the West Coast, Belfast up top, Cork down bottom. They're the probably the four main cities. But Burr remarkably for a town and as i say when i was a kid i think i'm pretty sure the population of burr was about a little under four thousand people and burr and the say a one mile radius around it had 34 pubs jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> so when you consider if you've got say four thousand people in the town and you consider Presumably, at least 1,500 of those people are not old enough to drink. And maybe another 1,000 are too old to go out or to go drinking. You've basically got 34 pubs for 1,000 people or a little over 1,000 people. It was quite remarkable. And I did a tot today, um, and I'm pretty sure there are 10 left. And I think we're going to lose two more in the new year. So that will bring it down to eight. And the reason for that is largely when in Ireland they started applying the drink driving laws more rigorously. That that put a lot of them to the sword. And I think the smoking ban did a lot. And then the population of Burr is bigger now, but just it's a it's a cost of living thing. People can't afford to drink. So I reckon say there's ten pubs left in Burr. I would say only four maybe less than half of them are busy but they were great pubs they're all almost all family owned so you the golf club the rugby club two hotels so 
and the, all the rest of the pubs are family owned. Say I was visiting Burr in your childhood, going to the pub, going on a crawl of, say, 10 of those pubs at random. Would I find a very sort of similar sort of template for each one or were they all very different? Uh, they weren't all very different, but when I started drinking and this may come as a surprise to you. I wasn't an underage drinker. Like, I drank underage a couple of times, but I didn't like drink. I just didn't like the taste of beer. And uh, I, my first ever pint, I, I couldn't finish it because <laughs> it, it seems such a lot of, vol you know, the sheer volume of it, and I didn't like the taste. And I was only kind of drinking it because everyone else was drinking, and I thought I should too. But no, the I'll tell you a story actually. Me and my friends, um, I reckon we were probably around twenty at the time, and I grew up I have the same friends at home in Burnow that were my friends when I was four years old, you know. So we've been friends for nearly fifty years. And one day we went on a pub crawl of all the pubs in Burr we wouldn't normally go to. So we went <laughs> to the outside inn which was had quite a fearsome reputation. It no longer exists. It's it's now a, a much nicer pub called the Chestnut. But my abiding memory of the outside inn was instead of a dartboard, they had one of those boards with hooks that you throw rubber rings at. And the reason for that was because it was considered too dangerous for them to have darts because <laughs> customers would throw them at each other. <laughs> and then um, I suppose what you would call the Las Vegas strip of Burr is... is <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else call it that? <laughs> well, it's the nearest thing you get. It's, it's a street called Connacht Street and it's basically more or less where I do my drinking now where I go, when I go home. So you've got... Um, it's a little narrow kind of side street, Connacht Street, it's called. And you've got three pubs there, uh, Malloy's, Wheelahan's, and, um, oh, God, I can't forget the third one or I'll be killed. So I won't, I won't ever be allowed to go home. Uh, oh, sorry, Nolan's. Yeah, so you've got Malo Nolan's, uh, Wheelahan's, Malloy's, and there's also a chipper, uh, chip shop in between. Um, so you, you kind of, I go home now and I do the strip. Don't go into Wheelhans so much. Wheelhans is owned by a local celebrity, uh, a guy called Brian Wheelhan, who is arguably the greatest hurling player uh, Offley has ever produced. His his crowd's a bit young for my taste, but me and my friends we'll go we'll go to Malloy's and Nolan's, and uh, then you can get a bag of chips or a chicken box or something on the way home. So that that's kind of the, the Las Vegas strip of what's left of the Burr pub scene. The glamour is palpable with the words <laughs> chicken box. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think we'll start with your your first options because I'd like to speak to you about one draft item, uh, regardless of whether you choose it or not, and then we'll perhaps build your pub as we go along and, and talk about your pub experiences later in life. But if I could have your first two draft choices, please. Right, well, um, I very much think, John and Robin, that a pub is not about the drinks that are in it, but more about the people that are in it. So I I think you may actually be disappointed with my my choices because there there's no craft beer there's no real ale but uh, I'm going straight in off the bat with Guinness. That's what I wanted to chat to you about because it's the most popular choice here in the Moon Underwater bar none, you know, to an astonishing ratio. And you're someone who obviously comes from a place where a lot of Guinness is knocking around. Is it a beer you really like? Yes, I love it. And are there many people where you're from that actually don't like it? Or do you sort of have to like it? Uh, I don't think you have to like it. I mean, I love it. And my my local pub in Brixton does it one, arguably the best pint of Guinness in London. I, I don't think I've had better. Oh, name it, please. Name the pub. I'll be honest. I don't want to name it because I don't want floods of people coming to to be there but the thing is i drink lager in that pub more often than not because my main drinking time tends to be sort of from five in the afternoon till maybe half seven unless the evening gets away with me but i like you john i don't know your situation robin but like you john i i live on my own i get bored this pub is around the corner from my house. So when I'm finished work of an afternoon, I like to go around and have a few pints. Uh, I know there will be people there that I know. I know there will be friends there. I know the staff. I can chat. You know, so it's mo- it's almost more for the company than the drink, although it's quite a lot about the drink. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was going to say, if you, if you do live alone and... Um... I do find the sort of 5 to 7 p.m. is the is the difficult period to get through. I, I don't think it's difficult. I mean, I look forward to it. 
Um, because I know I can go to the pub and I know there'll be people there I can talk to. In my local pub, there's such a wide variety of people. It's very near uh, the best skate park in, in the UK. So there there's skateboarders there. You could have along the bar a barrister, a bin man, everything in between, you know. And I've seen MPs in there. It, and no one cares what anyone else does. We're just shooting the breeze. Generally talking the same old shit we talk every night. So it's the same people talking the same shite in the same places, and and it's just great fun. And if if I didn't have it, I think I'd be very lonely. But it's, is it very important to you that kind of five o'clock watershed though? Because would you ever go there before there, or do you, are you quite good at kind of making sure you don't? Um, no, it. it depends on what I, my work schedule is. I, I will often be there early in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might be there till late at night. If I go in late at night after, you know, eight, nine o'clock, I'll, then I'll get stuck into the Guinness mm-hmm. uh, because there's nothing else to do after that apart from go to bed. But, um, I mean, the pub opens at two on weekdays and I think it opens at noon on Saturday and Sunday. I do a radio show on Talksport every Sunday and it ends at one. I'm back in Brixton at half one. I'm in the pub by one thirty five PM <laughs> and my aim on those days is is to be home in time for the Antiques Roadshow. If I'm not home in time for the Antiques Roadshow, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Okay, well, I now know which pub it is, so I'm 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 pleased you gave us the timings um, because uh, <laughs> I'm excited to go there. You you would love it, John. I I know. I, I know for a fact you would love this pub. I think I need to move closer to people. Is yeah. what I'm thinking. Uh, Get yourself down South London. It's great. Yeah, I'm I'm in Forest Hill, by the way. Okay, I'm not, right. not a million miles away. No, you're both welcome. And I I I. I know just from listening to your podcast, you would love this pub. Uh, John in particular would adore it. And John, they they have rooms available for disgraced gentlemen upstairs if you could move in. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to sort of live out a fantasy of the, the, the novels I really like reading, which are sort of 1940s and 50s boarding house type London-centric uh, I guess you call, I don't know what sort of thing that you'd call them, but I've been reading a lot of Stella Gibbons recently and, you know, everyone seems to be living above a pub in, in rooms. Mm. Um, but what what about your second choice, uh, Barry? Um, well, my second choice and my first bottle are interchangeable. So I, I think I'll go on my second draft. I'm going to go with an ale called Smithicks. But I thought you said there was no ale. Well, this is this is the only ale I find tolerable because it's it's got a bit of fizz in it. It's it's an ale brewed in Kilkenny. I think it was brewed since the early maybe sixteen, seventeen hundreds. I'm only a hundred year a hundred years, give or take. But Smithicks, when I was a kid, was incredibly popular in Ireland. And then it kind of went out of fashion. And then I noticed a few years ago, I was home for a, a, a few days, and I noticed it seemed to be back in vogue again. And the first pint I ever had in a pub was a pint of Smithicks. 
and it's it's this lovely ruby red lovely color it's not like your your british ales which i i'd love to like but i just can't get on board with because they're too flat they've got bits in them it's more like an American kind of ale in a way that in the, in that's is car is it carbonated? I I don't know to be honest, Robin. I I I haven't studied it too much, but I'm putting it on in my pub because I don't think I drink it, but I I'd like other people to try it. Well, that's nice. Sorry, I can't believe I said that. I mean, American beers are like Irish. You know, this this was this was founded in 1710. It's, it's a bit. It's a bit daft to say it's. It's like an American. Thing, you know? Deb Grant picked uh, Smithicks, and um, I think it's a pretty sessionable percentage. Yeah, at three point eight percent. That's perfect. That's actually my dream percent. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. All right. And and they have a tagline: "Rhymes with nothing, tastes good with everything." Oh, that's so, nice. Um, that's nice. Yeah, I go with Smithicks. I'll be honest. I I don't think I've had a Smithicks since I have been old enough to drink. <laughs> but I, it, it was very fashionable in Ireland. It went out of fashion, then it came back into fashion. I don't know what its status is at the moment, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm having it as my second draft choice. It's quite nice because, I mean, you don't get it in the UK at all, do you? I mean, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be Mr. Irish flying a flag or anything. I, I hate Irish pubs. I hate... <laughs> Really? Uh, oh, I hate them. Where was I? Re- I was on the holidays in Malta recently, and me and some pals went to a, an Irish pub. Um, we went to what? There was a football match on. We wanted to see, so we went to that to watch. Excuse me. And yeah, Irish theme pubs. I cannot mm. stand them. This was mm. this was pretty low down the scale. But when you go yeah. in, where they've painted everything green, and uh, you know, various farm implements hanging out of the ceiling. It's just no thanks. Not not for me, Clive. But <laughs> to to the great credit, there was a girl in the bar. Me and my friends were we were up on the second floor and this girl was running the bar on her own. She was from uh I think she was from County Meath. And as bar staff performances go, it was it was heroic. I mean I've very You've invited me here to, to come up with my dream pub. I've got an exterior, I have an interior, I have what the sta- who the staff should be, when they should be on, um, what the shifts are specifically. <laughs> have you done like the wages and the paye and everything? You've set up the payroll. I would pay them well. Uh, good bar staff are worth their weight in gold, and and they should all be paid more. And a lot of people who use their services are very bad at being in pubs oh well i'll get to that as well i mean <laughs> i i believe at some point in this process you're going to ask me for my my main gripe about pubs i've divided it into seven different subsets with, <laughs> with seven different grievances in each and i have to pick one <laughs> You fancy a pint? Yeah. The moon underwater. 
how about we have uh, your two bottles and then we will begin the the walk into your pub from the outside in um but what what bottles do you want because you said that one of your drafts was interchangeable with the bottles yeah so my first bottle is i i want a lager and i'll be honest and and i this will probably disappoint you john but i normally just drink pints of carlsberg i drink i like mass-produced fizzy lager and i make no apologies for it even though I've just apologised for it. <laughs> well, no one should apologise for the drinks they like. Yeah. No, I'm I'm not ashamed, but I'm not picking Carlsberg. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Right. I'm not picking Carlsberg. Yeah. I thought uh, that's too boring a choice. So what I'm going to pick is a, a lager I also like, but I isn't available in the pub. I spend almost all my pub time in. Uh, I'm as a nod to to Brixton, where I live, and a place that I've absolutely adore um i'm going to pick cold harbor lager named after cold harbor lane in brixton which is made by the brixton brewery oh yeah it's nice uh i i've had it quite a few times and i really like it and i just i'd like to tip my hat to brixton which has been very good to me over the years uh in in my selection of my first bottle it's a lovely beer you get it on on tap quite a lot around near in South London as well. Uh, have you noticed a difference in Carlsberg since they rebranded and re-recipied? Um, I'll be honest, I didn't know they'd rebranded and re-recipied and I haven't noticed a change. I've noticed a change in price. It's steadily creeping up. At the pub I drink in, which we've established now, is in Brixton, near the skate park. Opens is, at two. It opens at two. Uh, only accepts cash, which I think is absolutely top drawer pub policy. So I pay £4.30 for a pint, which by London standards is pretty cheap. Mm. Went to a different pub up or down the road, it would be probably over fiver, maybe even £6. Uh, Carlsberg, yeah, sorry, I was thinking of Carling. Alistair Green chose Carling. Carlsberg did the whole marketing campaign where they basically said, we've made a new Pilsner and our old beer tasted horrible, didn't it? That was the whole thing with their marketing campaign. It was, no, it was, we got it wrong. Oh, really? Was it Mads Mickelson that they got for the adverts when he was on the little boat? Yeah. We got complacent. We dropped the ball. It was a really interesting sort of ad campaign, but I, I bought some of the new stuff and it just tastes the same i never liked carlsberg particularly well cold harbour lager brixton brewery is your first bottle or can and what's your second one uh my second bottle is um it's it's i'm going for wine red wine and i'm going for chateauneuf de pape rouge mm. i like red wine i'm drinking red wine as i speak to you i i went to treat myself actually to an expensive bottle for this occasion so I'm drinking a bottle of Fat Bastard Malbec 2020. It's <laughs> uh, good which, You know, and it's quite appropriate. I'm a bit of a fat bastard. And it's fine. It's absolutely fine. But I'm going, yeah, in terms of wine, I'm not a wine snob. I like what I like. If something's nice, I try to remember what it's called or I take a picture of the label. But the one wine I remember blew my socks off once at a friend's dinner party was Chateauneuf de Pap. And uh, it's not the cheapest. I mean, you get a bottle for 20 quid, but I don't drink at home very often because I spend too much time in the pub. 
during lockdown, I'd be drinking too much at home. Then the pubs reopened. So I was going to the pub, drinking too much in the pub, then going home and putting away a bottle of wine. And I was like, oh, Christ, this has to stop. So I knocked drinking at home on the head. But um, occasionally, if I'm having a nice meal, a nice curry or a, a roast, I'll, I'll open a bottle. And the cork rarely goes back in, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have wine in my pub. So that's my second bottle. Chateau Neuf de Pap. I had a look on in my mind earlier. And apparently uh, the 2011 was a particularly good year. You can get a bottle of that for 54 quid, which is quite pricey. But I'm, I'm going to put that in. No, but you're right to do that. Because I overheard a really interesting conversation in Majestic Wine once. <laughs> where a guy came in and he said, what Chateau Neuf de Pape do you have? And the the expert at uh, Majestic Wines said, well, the thing with Chateau Neuf de Pape is because it's quite a well-known name, they try to make like the cheapest possible version they can at that with that name for supermarkets. So if you go into Tesco, you might see an 18-quid bottle of Chateau Neuf de Pape. And people think that's the fancy wine. And what the guy was saying is, actually, at that price level, at 18 quid, there are much, much, much better wines for a tenner, 12 quid, whatever. If you're going to get Chateau Neuf de Pape, you have to spend the money. Because otherwise, it's a bit like the thing with champagne. A 12 quid bottle of Prosecco is much better than a 20 quid bottle of champagne because you're essentially paying for paying for the name. So... If you if you want the good stuff, the stuff that's going to knock your socks off, you do need to pay the extra because for 20 quid, 18 quid, you could get three bottles of, of, of a superior wine. So you've made exactly the right choice there for going for the, the more expensive 2011 Chateau Neuf de Pape. And, and, and Barry, I commend you. <laughs> oh, thank you, John. I must say, John, you, you once, uh, one of your other podcasts, you, you gave me an education on wine. And I think we're explaining to listeners why, unless, you know, if if you're not, unless you're skint, obviously, if you're skint, buy the cheapest bottle. But if you've got a few quid to throw around, you're better off spending 20 quid on a bottle of wine than six quid on a bottle of wine. I appreciate not everyone has that luxury. Well, I, if I remember that discussion, it will have been based on my sort of headphone value to price ratio analogy. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a well-trodden path by this stage, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and, and this is about me, not you, so let's not go down that. But I'm not sure it would have been as much as 20 quid. I think if you're able to go up to sort of nine or 10 pounds on a bottle of wine, you're getting a hell of a lot more bang for your buck than sort of four to six Um and, you know, just to retread old ground, uh, a £20 bottle of wine isn't twice as good as a £10 bottle. A 50 quid bottle isn't five times as good as a £10 bottle. But a £10 bottle is probably twice as good as a £5 bottle. I, I once had a glass of, of wine from a bottle that cost £500. Oh, what Whoa. was it like? It was very nice. It was very full bodied. I really enjoyed it, but. I hadn't paid for it, and nor would I. Barry, we're going to take a little break from your choices to expand our brains in the only way that we know how, which is to head over to the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz with Robin Allender. Robin. 
Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Yes, welcome to the Moon Underwater pub quiz. This week, the pub quiz is all about left and right. Which way do you dress? Ha 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 ha. So, three questions about all things left and right. Uh, and the answers in part two, as usual. How do you feel about pub quizzes, by the way, Barry? Are you a fan? Uh, the last pub quiz I was at, I hosted. In fact, the last two pub quizzes I was at, I hosted. I hosted one in a pub in Brixton called the Duke of Edinburgh. It was a, a triumph. <laughs> and I I tried to make it as mobile phone proof as possible. So I had mm. like an observation round. So oh, me that's good. And my glamorous assistant, Joe, we'd stuck posters up in, in the toilets around the pub, advertising a fake DJ, various other things. Then we oh, asked that's questions. such a good idea. Yeah. I, an idea I stole from someone else, I, I must confess. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think everyone involved really enjoyed it. It was slightly... We, we got booed for one of the rounds because <laughs> the questions were too difficult. Right. Um, but, yeah, I love a pub quiz. And in, in my fantasy pub, there will be a pub quiz on the first Sunday of every month, which I will host... And I will wear a Martin Fry-esque uh, gold lame jacket <laughs> uh, just just to lend the occasion the splendor it deserves. Great. So I'm sadly not wearing gold lame, but question one in our left and right pub quiz is new coins are being minted for Charles III as we speak, but on these new coins, will Charles be facing to the left? Or to the right? That's question one. So keep keep the answers in your brain. We'll go through the answers in, in part two. Question two. How many of the Beatles were left-handed? Question two. How many of the Beatles were left-handed? Question three. Can you name a country in Europe other than the UK or Ireland in which they drive on the left? In a bullnose Morris Minor. <laughs> no, he doesn't have to be that. Sorry. Um, yeah, so the other countries, I've got two, in Europe where you can drive on the left. You just need to name one. Oh, that's a great cue. I don't know the answer to any of those cues. Really? Well, you can have a wild stab, can't you? With with two of them, you can have stabs. We thank Barry so much for uh, his uh, first... First shot at filling up his dream pub. I dare say we will find out an awful lot more about what this pub looks like, the sort of people in there, what is not allowed, what is allowed, the rest of the other drinks. But for now, we have Guinness, Smithix on tap. We have Cold Harbour Lager from Brixton Brewery in Cannes. And we have a reassuringly expensive £54 bottle of Chateau Neuf de Pape 2011, uh, also in bottle. And uh, if you would like to support this pub, you can head over to moonunderpod.com and click forward to the Patreon link. We do really support and very much need your patronage, and it gains you all sorts of special treats, including uh, the bonus podcast, Behind the Cellar Door, ad-free, unedited episodes, 
And for example, this is a good episode where you're going to get an awful lot more bang for your buck if you're a Patreon. And you also get advance warning of and access to live tickets for the shows. But we will see you back in part two very shortly. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.